Welcome to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast with Nicolene Peck. Improving your life, uniting your family, changing the world. Welcome to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast. I'm Nicolene Peck and I'm joined here with my daughter, Paige Baumert. Hi, Paige. Hello. Paige, today we're going to be talking about friends and about- I love friends. I know. And we're going to talk about how to help our children make friends. You know, I think some people really worry about it. Maybe their child seems a little shy or their child doesn't Mm -hmm. want to reach out of their comfort zone and make friends. And so we're going to talk about ways that parents can help their children make friends, improve their social skills, step out of their comfort zones. And you know what? Some of the ways that you can help your child make friends might really surprise you. So Mm -hmm. I'm just going to say that um, because sometimes you don't think of some of the ways that I know really do help a person become socially adapted and making good friends. But before we do that, we want to talk about a fun family activity like we always do here at the Teaching Self-Government Podcast. So Paige, what type of a fun family activity do you have for us today? So this is one that we found a while ago and one that I actually used while I was um, babysitting, you know, at my babysitting age. And we made rainbow cup crayons. So it sounds a little weird, but it's actually super, super fun. And it's great for little kids too. I mean, all ages, but especially little kids. Um, So this is where we had growing up, we had an ice cream bucket, a gallon bucket full of crayons that we had just collected from everywhere. And that was our crayons that we used. But you know, at the bottom, there's always the little crayons that you don't use because they're too small and they're hard to hold and they're not very pointy anymore. Anyway, so you've got all those. And so we would collect all of those periodically and we would take all the paper off of them and then we would put them all into um, muffin tins. So obviously we'd line them with a paper lining um, or nowadays there are silicone cups you could use as well, which might even be easier. I don't know. I don't think I'd want the wax on them. I think the paper lining is still Either a way. good idea. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we'd stick them in there. We'd heat up the oven. I can't remember what we heated the oven to probably 350. Um, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, probably hot. a slow, a slow <laughs> bake, something hot. I don't think there's really a temp for this. No. Yeah. But so we would stick them in there and you know, the, the best thing was to put, you know, complementary colors with each other because they're going to melt together, which is the purpose of this whole activity. So you put these crayon bits together and you melt them together just enough so that they're not all mixing together and turning brown, but just enough so that they're still their individual colors, but they're one full like mold unit. And so Mm -hmm. then you pull it out and you let them sit and you might even throw them in the fridge um, just to let them harden back up again. But then once they're, once they're cooled off, you take off the paper and you've got this circle crayon that's, you can like rub and it starts changing colors and oh man, it's so fun. The kids I babysat thought it was an absolute blast and it's great for little kids because their, their little hands can hold the big chunky crayon. Oh yeah. Oh, and it's, oh, it's so it's fun. So to fun. Draw well, it, is, it draws in, it draws in rainbows and you can just turn the crayon to a different place and just start drawing something else. Now you don't have the pointy 
right? So you have to like be careful, but on the edges of the cup for a little bit, on some of those edges, you can use kind of like a pointy, it's kind of like a peanut butter cup. It's like drawing and coloring with a peanut butter it's cup. Awesome. Type of a thing. Yeah. In fact, I remember we had like a whole art day. We pulled out big watercolor papers and we made works of art and we still have them. And I love them. I love looking at them from time to time, but it was just like different masterpieces made with these colorful rainbow crayons. Yeah, and you could put all different colors in one cup if you wanted to. So it's like a full rainbow of just everything. Or you could say like, okay, th this whole one is going to be blues and I'm going to put like all the different blues together or I'm going to put all the different reds and pinks together and then all the different, you know, yellows and oranges. Like you could kind of match them up if you wanted to. I mean, there's so many different ways that you could make your mm -hmm. little crayon cups, but they are so fun. That was actually an idea that I got... Uh, from a little, it was like a preschooler idea book, I think, oh, that I had forever ago. And, and I just always thought, well, hey, that's a fun thing to do with crayons. I mean, whenever, what other time are you going to have this huge patty that's a crayon? You know, normally you just <laughs> don't have that. And so we did it one time and we loved it. And then it was something that you continued with because it seems like every year we're getting new boxes of crayons and they're all making it into the big bucket because they don't stay in the box very long because the yeah. boxes break and then the crayons break and then you just have this catch-all, right? So anyway, super fun. That's a great activity page. So let's get talking about friends. Let's talk about our social lives and our friends and how to help our children make good friends. Mm -hmm. As we talk about this, we're going to be looking through the lens of self-government. So when we look through the lens of self-government, we think to ourselves, okay, what type of a friend ought we to be, right? What type of friends do we want to have and be? Okay, so then we're going to make a plan for ourselves and then we're going to adjust ourselves over time as we go toward that goal of becoming that certain kind of friend for somebody else. So when you learn self-government, you make a deliberate plan of the direction you're headed and then you course correct along the way as you self-analyze. And you can do the same thing for social skills as you can with your connections and your communications with your family. So let's talk about social page. You have never had a problem stepping outside your comfort zone. No. And I think that's actually like a, definitely a gift that I have. Um, I've always been very much a people person. So making friends was never that hard for me. But um, even though, you know, I consider myself having that gift, there were certain skills and principles that I was taught that definitely helped me make friends. Yeah. And that's what the kind of things that we're going to be talking about today. In fact, sometimes because you had no inhibitions about stepping out of your comfort zone and making friends, sometimes I had to pull you back a little yeah, bit. Yeah. I got in trouble just a little. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say trouble, but I had to say, okay, Paige, let me teach you another lesson. <laughs> Nobody else needs to learn, but just <laughs> so that's how it goes. Now, Paige, you never had a hard time making friends, but that didn't mean that there were tons of friends around. Like right. we actually lived in a place place where there weren't as many kids that were your age. And so you just had this gift of making friends and you, so you would just go and make friends with anybody, adults, mm -hmm. children, little children, big children didn't matter. And everybody always has felt welcomed by you, but we did have other children in our family, <clears throat> London and Porter, who were not as good <laughs> at making friends when they were little. In fact, I had to encourage them a little bit more, help them develop some of those social skills, but I knew that they would develop the social skills. I absolutely knew because your children 
become as social as you are. That's how it works. And I know that I have good social skills. My parents did very good social training for me. And so I knew that my children could all develop good social skills because I had good social skills. Mm -hmm. So if you can remember that, there's only three ways that we learn social, either from same age peers, from our parents and family, or from the media. Now of those three choices, now Paige, I know you're expecting, which of those three sources do you want your new little baby coming to learn their social from? Oh, from me, of course, because I don't know what kids the same age have grown up with. I don't know what they're going to teach my child. And as far as media goes, it keeps declining over the years. So I definitely don't want that to be the main factor from what they see and what they learn. Yeah. And we're talking moral decline, but also social decline. I mean, mm-hmm. really the social skills that are being displayed in the media are just becoming less and less productive. No, less everything that's being portrayed is attitude problems, manipulation, you know, being anger. a dominant, uh-huh, anger, being a dominant figure in your relationship, uh, you know, your friendship, And it's just not healthy because that's not what true friendship is like. Like I look at me and my husband or me and my best friend outside of my marriage and I'm like, that's not how it is. Yeah, no, real friendship is quite a treasure. But here's the thing is that parents often think that their children are going to develop that type of real friendship that you have with your good friend outside of marriage, as well as with Joseph, they think that their children need to have that really early, like really quick when they're young. And, you know, little children, they mostly just use each other. Okay. I mean, that's the main thing that happens. They don't usually develop these real deep bonds of attachment until they get a little bit more mature. And and you'll see children transition through different friends as their needs change or their likes and dislikes change as certain people mature at different rates than they do. So there's a lot of factors that change why a person might feel drawn toward another person as a friend. But there is one thing that I know, and that is that social grooming and training for how to make friends and keep those friends actually is valuable. This is life lessons that everybody needs to know. So let's talk about um, the comfort zone for a little second here. So many people don't like stepping out of their comfort zone. Oh, uh, Porter. Well, yeah, if you're <laughs> confident. But London and Porter at first weren't sure about stepping out of their comfort zone. And to be honest, the reason why they weren't as sure and as confident stepping out of their comfort zone was because that you and Quinn were so confident socially. In fact, in a lot of ways, you guys would take over the social everywhere we went. So Mm -hmm. London and Porter didn't have as much of a chance to participate socially. In fact, they got to the point where they were like, I'd say all the groundwork was done for them. You know, they didn't have to do the work to reach out to people. They're just like, oh, they'll take care of it. And then we'll just kind of insert ourselves and call it good. Yeah. So some of that experience was taken away from them. So I had to find other opportunities (laughs) to help them reach out and step out of their comfort zones with other people and other friends. And I have to report that now London and Porter are fantastic at meeting other people, talking to other people, becoming friends, um, leading social groups and peer groups. I mean, they really do not have any social problems. In fact, London always tells me, 
mom, when people find out I was homeschooled, they always say, but you're so normal. <laughs> yeah, no, that's actually been my experience too. Um, when I mentioned that, like, oh, we never would have known unless like you said something because it's like contrary to popular belief, if done right, homeschooling is a very social thing. That was actually something that you came across when you began homeschooling. People were like, okay, what about the social? Your kids are going to be very socially awkward. And they were afraid that you guys wouldn't have friends, but actually we had tons we of friends. We had tons of friends. <laughs> All over the world, friends. Yeah. Every town, every everywhere we go, we have friends because that homeschool community that we're part of was huge. Yeah. And so we had no limits to our friends, actually. Mm-hmm. And we just, we looked at other people, no matter their age, and we're like, you know what? If this person has good qualities, yeah, I want to be around them. You know, I don't care how old they are, or how young they are. And so I've got good friends that are, you know, years younger than me. I've got lots of friends who are definitely way older than me. And I may not have known them, you know, in person for a long time, but I'm still in contact with them and we still talk and we still interact. And I'm like, this is great. Yeah, well, of course it is because there's no rule that says a friend has to be your same age. That's just a social construct. I mean, I did look out with my husband, but. Well, yeah, but there's really no rule, you know, so um, some of my dearest friends are nowhere near my age and I never think of it whatsoever. I mean, I just talk to people and, and love people, but let's talk about where you learn that. Okay. So how is that actually taught? Now, when I did foster care, the first skill that we ever taught the children who came to our house was we taught them how to do a proper greeting. Okay. How to make introductions with people. And the reason why was because we were bringing them into our social circle. Our first social circle was our family, but also we had grandmas and grandpas and aunts, uncles, cousins. There were neighbors, people at church and, you know, people at school. So we taught them how to do a proper greeting, which even included sticking out their hand for a handshake. (laughs) Now I know that nowadays that seems like what? Well, especially with COVID, that seems like what? But but like, (laughs) But even just among the younger population, that would probably seem very old fashioned, kind of funny, but we felt like it was important that they learned how to do a proper greeting. So we taught them to look at the person that they were going to meet, keep a calm face, voice and body. Well, when you say look at the person, that means eye contact. Well, yeah, you can't do a good greeting. That's really them. important because that actually really, helps really increase confidence so that you can step outside your comfort zone. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So we taught them to look at the person, keep a calm face, voice and body, and then stick out their hand and say, hi, my name's Nicolene. What's your name? And it's nice to meet you, right? So we taught them the exact words that they could say, phrases that they could choose from so that they could meet people and start talking to people. Because if you don't go up to to a person and break out of your comfort zone with an arm or hand or something, then usually you don't end up striking up a conversation with someone. You have to be willing to cross over a boundary and it is socially acceptable to cross over this boundary to extend a hand of friendship to another person and to get them to shake your hand. Even young people that think it's awkward might shake hands from Mm -hmm. time to time. So anyway, we did that. And that was a key thing. So you can actually teach the skills to your children for how to do proper greetings. And I actually did that when we would go to family things, when we would go to park day with our friends, I would say, 
this is how you meet new people. So see if you can meet new people and some new friends at the park today. And I would teach you guys how to do it. And then you would go and you would practice it. So it was an instruction that you learned how to do. Yeah. And I think it's really important because if like, if you don't teach your kids how to do this, it's going to have adverse effects later on. Like, because you taught me how to do this, I had no problem, you know, reaching out to new people or in a social situation being like, Hey, you know, what's your name? Or when I meet someone and I enjoy their company, I'm like, Hey, we should go on a date sometime. You know, do you want to go on a date? You know, going on a date was never an issue for me because I knew how to ask people and how to talk to people. And I was lucky enough to find a man who was, you know, almost almost the same in that regard. Um, I was used to asking people out just because that's who I am. And I have no problem, you know, reaching out, talking to people, but you know, he actually asked me, but I think it's very important to teach that skill. I know. Well, I mean, it, it, it surprised me because, you know, I've only had a few people in my whole life ask me out on a date. Usually I'm the well, one Because a lot of the boys were shy, you know, yeah, but they've and never they been just taught to just be like, hi. Step out of their comfort zone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so this, and this so is you kind of made it easy on them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But it's a very yeah, important maybe a little skill too to teach. Easy sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so let's talk about other things we can do. So you can teach somebody how to do a proper greeting. But another thing, and this is a key thing, probably the biggest thing is set the example. So remember I said that your children will become as social as you are. So if you want your children to make friends, then you have to make friends. So that's a thing. So think to yourself, oh, do I like to uh, strike up conversations with people on public transit, say? Do I like to talk to people occasionally at the store? Not overdo it because you can overdo Just it like and then it's bad social, right? It, people can be like, oh, it's getting intrusive. <laughs> But, but sometimes it feels intrusive to them because they lack social. And sometimes it's because the other person overdid it. So you yeah. don't want to talk somebody's head off, but you can, you can still say, well, hi, how you doing? You know, or, or mention something, you know, like, like oh, I like your I drawing or your clothes are, look really cute today. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm thinking if you don't know the person, right? So if you don't know oh, the I still person, do that anyway. <laughs> you might, you might say, some, you might say something like, oh, I've never seen one of those before. Where did you get that? Or, you know, something just striking up some sort of conversation with something that they have. But if you don't do it as the parent, your child is not going to do it. If you're the type of person that always has to be around people, you know, and who know you, then your children will feel the very same. In fact, I know some people who, when they go to churches that are not their congregation, they do not like to talk to people when they're there. They don't like to even stay very long. <laughs> they, they don't. And you know what? They actually have children who behave the very same way. So they have a hard time adapting to new social situations because the parents did not set the example to adapt mm -hmm. to new social situations. Either. I, would, I would say so, that some of my favorite memories is when we'd be traveling, we would find, um, you know, a sect of our conversation in the area that we are or not conversation. Um, religion sorry <laughs> in the area that we were in and we would go to the service and afterwards you know because we had a conversation with someone we made a connection that was very beneficial either to like um your business or you know something like that and it was so cool and we met all these awesome people that we then had a connection with and we're like oh wow you know you what you do is so helpful for me and I would love to stay connected with you 
Yeah. So I'm the type of person that collects people. I don't know if that's a real thing I should say, (laughs) but it's true. So there's some people that collect people where I'm like, oh, I like knowing that person. Oh, that person's a sheep farmer. I've never met a sheep farmer. Well, I'm going to have them as a friend because I want a friend who's a sheep farmer. I want to come over and visit their sheep every year. That sounds fun to me. You know what I mean? So I like, I collect people who are different and who are fun. And I feel like I like to know about people and I really truly care about their story and who they are. So because of that, I think some people feel that about me. And so they end up just like inviting us into their lives. So we do have this couple who they're sheep farmers. And oh, I love it. they are, they're dear friends of ours now. And we literally just happened to talk to them one time as we were visiting their church and they decided to be brave and step out of their comfort zone and say hi to us. And then we reciprocated and it was absolutely beautiful. They invited us to see their baby sheep and, and after to have that, campfire by their little stream in their backyard. Oh yeah. It was so great. So much fun. Okay. So set the example. That's important. Now this next tip that I have for you is going to probably be surprising because you would not think that this would help your children make friends, but I promise you it does. So here's the next tip. Keep your children close to you, especially when they're young. So don't be dishing them out to friends for playdates and different things when they're tiny all the time. Keep them close to you. The friends come to your house. Uh, I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about they need to be friends first with the family. So they need to learn about friendship from mom and dad living and playing with them, working with them. In fact, if they have a deep bond with mom, dad, and siblings, then their confidence will increase. The family bonds increase the confidence. The family is the first social unit of society. So if your child is focusing on the people outside of the family, when the bonds inside the family aren't good, then they're actually never going to have full social confidence. They'll look for stability outside of the family. And it's not ever there, actually. That's the problem. So everything outside of the family is about comparisons and stuff like that. I mean, you can occasionally find some good friends, but you don't usually develop a really lasting friendship until you hit a level of maturity that you can actually think of that friend as if they are family. So before then, everything is quite selfish when it comes to children and friendships. Mm -hmm. And like I said, they have a tendency to use each other. This isn't necessarily a bad thing, but they're just finding their way in the world and so they always think of the people around him in terms of well how can that person serve me it's just a a very immature mindset to have so a lot of people think that it is socially normal to have friends outside of the family that you're really with and close with but then inside the family it's no it's normal for siblings to fight with each other all the time which it's not socially normal yeah and actually that to me is the sign of bad social skills yeah well because like my very first my very first best friend was quinn my older brother Mm -hmm. and we played we got along famously i mean obviously we had little squabbles here and there but um they're very little people you even saying that doesn't doesn't even validate the word squabble because they were (laughs) teeny tiny things but we would like he kind of led the way when it came to playing. So I was never too into like Barbies or baby dolls. 
um, I wanted to play trucks with my brother. And for a very long time, I actually wanted to be with him, especially like even when he had friends over, I'm like, I want to play with Quinn and his friends. And he uh-huh. would always let me because I was one of his friends. And so, and because he- I told him he had to, <laughs> well, so, yes. I, you maybe but- didn't know that, but I told all of you guys, I'm like, if you can't play with your friends when, I mean, play with your siblings, when your friends are over, then we don't get to have friends over because your first friends, your first priority as friends is your siblings. And if mm-hmm. you can't be good to them, then you're not ready to have other people over. Yeah. So, so he knew that. Yeah. And even as I got a little older, uh, London, who's four years younger than me, I would oftentimes spend time with her when she had her friends over too. And she would spend time with me when I had my friends over because, you know, we were just all good friends. And even now, like that I'm married and um, like Porter is, you know, almost an adult. Um, Every time I visit home, you know, he's, he's like, I'm your cuddle buddy. And so we'll cuddle and we'll like, play games together. In fact, often I was like, Hey Porter, what game are we playing? You know? And it's so wonderful to be able to have those connections and those bonds that are there for a lifetime. Yeah. And I know it's meaningful to him too. It was really neat. I know he went to a dance, a homeschool dance a little while back. It was a few months ago and Quinn was visiting at our house and he was like hey Quinn you want to come to this dance with me (laughs) and it was like a family homeschool dance thing and I was busy that night so I couldn't go and and Quinn was like yeah sure I'll go and so they went they danced the night away and and everyone thought he was so awesome And, and I was like see that's the beauty they are you know, eight years apart, but they are just awesome little buddies, you know, and they do things together. And that's because they always have thought of each other as the best of friends. So the siblings in our family have been the top priority and everybody else is great, but they're just friends outside of the family. So if you want your children to have good, confident friendships outside of the family and be able to handle problems in their friendships too, then the best thing you can do is encourage great sibling relationships and relationships with parents in the family because you have to sort through problems and you have to care about each other and serve each other. And all these things are things that make for good friendships and good bonds later on. So there's the surprising one, okay? This is surprising to people. People usually think, oh, my child needs friends. So they go straight to, I'm going to find a friend and I'm going to match them up and make them talk to each other. When in reality, if they can talk to their siblings and if they can talk to their parents and their grandparents and all those people, then they'll be, talk to, they'll be able to talk to anybody. No yeah. need to really even push it. Well, I know one thing that you did as we were growing up is you would invite whole families over. Like we'd have a, I don't know, just like a dinner and we'd all just play because I mean, everyone would be everyone's friend. And so, you know, that's how I made some of my best friends growing up was, you know, we, we were friends with a family that had children that were similar to our ages and we would invite the whole family over for a game night and we would, oh, it was a blast because you and dad, you would talk to, you know, the parents and we would have fun with the kids and we'd all just interact with each other. And it was so fun. Well, and the parents and the children would all play the same games together oh, yeah. too. Oh, I yeah. mean, it wasn't like it was completely segregated. I mean, there were times, you know, where people went off and did their own things. I mean, that happens whenever you get a group of families together, but 
Yeah, I did that on purpose. That was social training. So those families I knew um, would be doing social training similar to us. And so I got together with them so that we could practice and family would still be at the center of the social and what we were doing socially. So I have another tip for you. And that is that if you want your children to make good friends and to be able to uh, establish friendships that are lasting, then you have to teach them what friends want. You have to teach them that it is a major turnoff if a person just listens about you all the time. Yep. If you just tell your own like, oh, well, I did this and I did this and I did this. People are like, I'm done now. <laughs> and so because or if you're want, always in control of the situation, that's another one too. Yeah. Because what they really want is they want to learn about you, yes, but they want to tell about themselves too. They want to feel understood. They want to feel loved. Mm -hmm. And that means that each person in the friendship has to serve each other. That's why family is such a great training ground for establishing good friendships. There is not an age. There's not a prescribed age where it's like, well, if your child does not have a friend by this age, they'll never have one. There's not an age like that. Um, so don't feel like if your child is five and they don't really have a close friend, that somehow something's missing. Because if you have other people in your family, you can definitely fill in for that friendship. And then if you feel like another person needs to come along, I mean, pray for them to come, you know, pray for a friend to arrive. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've done that a couple of times when I felt like you guys needed somebody else in your lives. But I knew that when the person came, you would have no problem reaching out to them because you had such great confidence and skills and abilities in, in serving and loving each other because of your family. Right. And it was such a big blessing. And I think that's why I was able to be so confident, especially when I got a little older, um, to just go out and make friends. So it's, it's really easy for me to just find someone in my class um, talk to them, get to know them. In fact, I've made some of my best friends up here at college because I just reached out and said, Hey, you know, how's it going? Or, Hey, you're new here. You know, what semester is it for you? Mm -hmm. And we've struck up amazing conversations that way. And now we're the best of friends. Yeah. So if your child is timid and your child doesn't seem like they want to make friends, don't feel like you have to push so hard. Just really strengthen the friendships at home and then be sure to bring them along with you in your work, in your play, in your social, in your friend time, and then teach them the skills that they need. Teach them what people want when they're behaving socially with somebody else and it'll happen. It'll happen. They will make the friends that they need to. And if someone has less friends than another person, that doesn't mean they're a social failure. It could just mean they're more introverted and they don't need as many friends. Maybe they don't, they don't like the huge groups. Some people thrive in the huge groups, but others just quite frankly don't. And so, you know, be mindful of that. They will find what they need socially from other people outside of the home. They'll practice their skills. It's just up to you to be mindful of their social training and give them what they need to make those friends. So this has been a great conversation about making friends and social development. There's so many more things that we could talk about related to self-government. As you can see, self-government can be applied to almost everything that we're learning and teaching our children. So if you would like to find more out about teaching children self-government and learning self-government, 
government yourself, then be sure to go to teachingselfgovernment.com and find the resources there, the course that we have. There's trainings coming up all the time. Check those out. And we will talk to you again next time on the Teaching Self-Government Podcast. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast. For more information and resources to help unite your family, visit teachingselfgovernment.com.